0: Christopolo.
1: Hello. How you doing?
0: I'm good. I hope you weren't in the waiting room long. I was sitting there looking up pictures of you on uh, the old Google and looking at all the episodes, 70 episodes.
1: 70. Yeah. How many do you have?
0: 168.
1: So I'm a baby.
0: (laughs) No, you're, you're not a baby. Anybody who gets past 10 episodes to me is not a baby. It's like, okay, now you're an adolescent. Then Mm -hmm. you're an adolescent until you get past 75. So you're still, I'm almost there. You're still sweet 16. And, uh,
1: (laughs) I shouldn't be hurrying along the aging process, right?
0: No, because you can get jaded fast. I just was talking, It's true. I was talking to someone who their podcast, 647 episodes. They've been doing it for 12 years. Like, let me tell you, wow, I'm not going to say that she was in the old folks home of podcasters, but <laughs> I'm just saying, wow.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, I, I do agree. There's a roller coaster that happens. You got to like your content and the process enough to get through the times where it's like a grind.
0: Oh, yeah. And people don't understand yeah. it, it. It can be a grind. The only way it can't be a grind for me, because I do my own editing, is by getting great guests on that I find fascinating and interesting. Which is a great segue into introducing Trista Polo onto the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. <laughs> by the way, we're already recording because uh, great that's the way it rolls. But Trista Polo has a podcast called Plate Story, P-L, the numeral eight, S-T-O-R-Y, that is all about vanity license plates. And and we're going to talk about that. But mostly I want to talk about the strategy behind having a podcast called Plate Story and not called Women Empowering Women or 10 (laughs) Hacks That'll Make You a Million Dollars in Three Weeks or Lose Weight by Eating Air.
1: There's a lot of those. There's a lot of those.
0: I'm not going to say that in your heart of hearts, you're not a guru wannabe, because perhaps you do want to follow your bliss and put your hands together at 24-7 and say namaste. But I know you as someone who puts out a really fun podcast called Plate Story. Can you give us uh, 30 seconds on what Plate Story is about and a little bit more on why you created it?
1: Well, some might say it was a bad decision to put this podcast on because it doesn't really line up with my brand. You know, you're supposed to do a podcast that promotes your brand, but I just love this topic. I love interviewing people and getting to the heart of who people are. So Plate Story is about vanity license plates. That's the entry into the soul of the people I interview on my podcast. So I find people with vanity plates. That's actually how we were connected. I can see yours up on your wall. I interview them about why they chose that plate. But then I dig deeper. There was just an L.A. Times article where they interviewed people about the story behind their license plates. I'm actually getting to the bottom of where that story came from. I think I found the source of the idea. So I'm ferreting it out,
0: uh-huh. but and it just might, they didn't be, go very, just might be someone who listened to your podcast. I'm just saying.
1: It might be. It might be. <laughs> it might be. We'll see. But I, I get deeper than that. They just kind of scratch the surface. But I like to hear about the person's hopes and dreams, their challenges, what's important to them, what they're up to in the world. And I find that the plate is just a really cool entry into their soul. You know, it's not typically the question you get at a dinner party. So we start in a place people aren't used to answering the question 5,000 times and they kind of give you that canned answer. We can uncover things about them that are new to the world.
0: I want to go back to something you said and take violent uh, disagreement with you about it. You said it's off-brand for who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Your brand. I disagree, because what is the name of your brand? Well, I'm looking at the URL line on my uh, little browser here and it says IWokeUpAwesome.com. So that of course is a URL. That's not the complete, the entirety of your brand, but it certainly says a lot about your brand or could I say that it's a really great vanity license plate for what your brand is and what it stands for? Am I wrong?
1: know, you're not wrong, but you talked about like that podcast, like women empowering women, or, you know, 10 ways to lose weight by eating only air. And I do find that a lot of podcasts, they are very consistent with the person's persona in other areas. And the podcast for me, you know, I, I chose to do it this way. But I think if I had been talking to a brand expert, they might've said, your podcast should be called I Woke Up Awesome and you should talk to people about why they're awesome and and maybe that's true, but I do love the vanity plate and it always, whenever I tell people about the vanity plate license, the license plate conversation and the podcast, people are like, oh, oh, that's so interesting. You know, and it really gets their attention. I like that. Hmm.
0: So it gets their attention. So what are your thoughts? It gets their thoughts? attention and it's interesting and it's unusual, and it, hmm, does that describe <laughs> Trista Polo at all?
1: To a freaking T. To, uh, I would say so, so I
0: think it's completely on brand. I, I totally get where you're, awesome. I get where you're coming from, because my podcast yeah. is called Nonfiction Brand, and I beat that to death with a stick, because, <laughs> well, you know, I want to be, oh, look, who's that? That's Nonfiction Brand, walking down the street. Yeah, yeah. but. Yeah. The same way that license plates, vanity license plates are an entree to the conversation you want to have, my Mm -hmm. nonfiction brand is just a way to get to talk to certain people who wouldn't necessarily talk to me based on my photo. Not that I'm that bad looking (laughs) or anything, but I'm just saying. But one of the things that your podcast reminds me of is something I heard a long time ago. Here in the United States, especially... A lot of the parts of the united states not all but many parts of the of the united states if you go to a party and you meet somebody new the first 30 seconds one of you is going to say so what do you do i heard i don't know this to be true but i suspect it is that in other parts of the world specifically in this case europe or france i think it was in france that this person was talking about they say oh you americans what do you do no we ask, what do you like to do? And people will go on about parasailing or antiquing in the Alps or snowshoeing up fjords. And and all of a sudden, it's a much more interesting conversation than, well, I work with actuarial tables for people buying life and dismemberment insurance. Not that there's anything wrong with that.
1: Of course, of course. We need those people. Right.
0: But I'm going to (laughs) tell you, I'm going to be much more interested finding out that that uh, actuarial guy was into Civil War reenacting than I am about him. How do you calculate when someone's going to die?
1: Yeah. Although I am curious how they do that. But I think you're absolutely right. And that what do you like to do is a great question. I have had people on my podcast that are really good at the podcast circuit. Maybe they're promoting something, which I'm totally fine with, because I think people deserve their spotlight so that they can talk about what's important to them. But my favorite conversations are where we do that a little bit, and then we get into who you are. And I've definitely noticed there's more authenticity in sharing what I enjoy and what I'm passionate about and the challenges that I've overcome than just giving me your canned speech about your stuff and what you're promoting and why it's important and why you're an expert. And I think there's a place for that, but that's not the only thing people are.
0: Yeah, I agree because frankly, look at what audiences like to watch. It's the story, not the specifications. The specifications of what I do are not as interesting as the story. And Witness the fact that Trista and I met because I I can't even remember how I found out about Podmatch, but I did. it. And Podmatch is a matching service for pod hosts and guests. It's not unlike a dating service almost. And you can do it. There's a free level. Believe me, I'm doing the free level. But you can do the higher paid levels to get more blah, blah. But I don't need the blah, blah. I just need the introduction here and there. And I was kind of agnostic about it. I was like, well, eh, poke around, see if it works. And all of a sudden I see that I'm matched with Trista Polo and her podcast plate story, which is all about vanity license plates. And I said, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And, and then part of me did do what you just said, which is, well, if I'm all about nonfiction branding, personal branding, telling the truth, being authentic, blah, 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 blah how do I relate that or how do I at least pitch it to her yeah, in a way that she goes, Oh, you'd be a good guest. So what did I do? I didn't talk much about the personal branding and I didn't talk much about the nonfiction aspects of it. Instead, I said, Hey, Trista, I have a Wisconsin vanity license plate from <laughs> circa 1980 that my dad got. I yeah. still have, it's not on a car. But it's one of the only things i still have of my father's and he's passed away yeah. do you want to talk about it
1: and, and you had what? me at vanity plate
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well but the whole thing is i get to demonstrate who i am what i do yes. and how i do it in the way i tell the story
1: Absolutely. in the way
0: we interact in the way we engage with each other and yeah. that is the value of having a podcast or guesting on a podcast. And it's also a really good reason to have your personal branding ducks in a row, if you will. Yeah. Again, I'm not gonna bore you with, well, my three keywords, which I like to call the <laughs> key three, are creative, collaborative, <laughs> and provocative, which I can do all day long.
1: And we did, we did that during yes, the conversation. We-, we had those conversations, but we also talked about your dad.
0: Right, and but it also came out organically too. It did, and and in fact, the the podcast episode hasn't come out yet. I haven't seen it anyway. Right? No, not yet. Okay, I'm not going to say I cried, <laughs> but there might have been some mistiness, misty moments. I, I I think it was allergies going on. <laughs> I'm sure as, it was. As we talk, as we got in pretty deep about me and my father's relationship, and you know, kind of uh, the way men deal with fathers, and Yeah, You know, et cetera, et cetera. So it was, I I didn't come on your podcast to try to sell my book or any of my services, but I did want to demonstrate who I am, what I do and how I do it in the truest way I can, which is have conversations, tell stories, and then transfer excitement back and forth. Because I would say something, you'd get excited. You'd say something, you'd get me excited. And, you know, without giving any spoilers out, I'll just say that the episode that Trista and I did on her Plate Story podcast, let's put it this way, I just can't wait to hear it because I think it was really, really fun.
1: It was really fun. And I think that it comes down to the authenticity, which I know you talk about as well. If you show up authentically, the promotion will show up. But if you show up to promote, then all people are going to hear is a sales pitch and they won't really get who you are and they're not gonna buy into that. And it's yeah. such a subtle difference. And if you don't if you don't have the knowledge on how to do it, it can feel inauthentic when you're trying to figure it out. But if you're just sharing from the heart, then it will come out. Especially when you have a platform that allows you to do that, which I do.
0: Well, and, and that's what I wanna talk about too because obviously you have a platform in the form of a podcast but you also have a platform in the form of I woke up awesome. What is I woke up awesome? What does that actually mean?
1: Well, you know how like you'll say to somebody, how did you sleep? Not great. You know, I woke up in pain. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I woke up tired. I believe that we have a choice on how we show up in the world. So that's definitely part of it. And I choose to wake up awesome. And the other part of it is we are all perfect just as we are with nothing to be fixed or changed. We go around all day blaming ourselves and judging ourselves and feeling shame and embarrassment and you know, lots of imposter syndrome going on for sure these days. But if you really can own that you are perfect just as you are and come from that place and really own your greatness and power, then you can actually contribute it out to the world. If you're trying to fake your way through it and try and be seen as an expert, and you talk about this, right? Are you an expert? Are you pretending to be one? People can tell the difference, and you can't make as much of an impact or contribution. It'll always fall short. And it came from my own personal life journey. I had a lot of self-worth issues when I was younger. I've done a lot of work on myself. I still have this thing running in my head, and it's almost like that brand helps me remember that I woke up awesome and I'm perfect just as I am. So it's a mantra for myself as much it is as it is a message for the world.
0: And a platform from which to build all sorts of services, communications, community, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want to know what trust is about, check out IWokeUpAwesome.com. That's her website. And you can dive in pretty deep there. She's got coaching services and links to the plate story podcast and all that stuff so you can find out who Trista is in depth but I just want to talk about one aspect of Trista that that I just learned about in my five minutes of research prior to this podcast recording which is it says something about Hudson Valley improvisation or something like that HVI which I thought was a law and order series but I guess isn't
1: Yes, I have dabbled and spent some time both acting, writing, and directing for improv through Hudson Valley Improv, which is an improv school and performing organization here in the Hudson Valley. And it's run by an amazing woman that I went to college with. Her name is Samantha Jones. She's an actor and an improv expert and instructor. And Boy, improv is super fun. If you ever want to start to learn how to trust yourself, your inner guide, if you ever want to learn how to be a good speaker and presenter, or even a great entrepreneur and leader, improv is the way to go. It's sort of like Toastmasters on cocaine.
0: (laughs) Something you don't know about me is that I did improv professionally in Chicago and Denver and learned in Los Angeles. And I'm one of those obnoxious improv purists mm. that is, v- is very much like, um, remember the movie Jerry Maguire? hmm And Jerry's going to take out Renee Zellweger for the first time, and there's that kind of creepy male babysitter, <laughs> and he gives her a tape of Miles Davis, and yeah. he says, and he gives it to him very sincerely, and he says, this is when it was pure. This is when it was real. This was what before it was bastardized by a thousand, you know, terrible jazz bands in yeah. holiday ends around the world. <laughs> Be careful with this, man. It's powerful. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about improv, which is why I, I don't it. do it anymore. Because it's been, I'm sorry, I'm a purist. It's been bastardized by four guys standing in front of a camera being funny. That is not what improv is. And by the way, improv is not associated directly with comedy it started as improvisational theater by viola spolin in chicago in the 50s don't get me started man
1: oh my goodness i love it yeah you know we were purists as well we were all about games activities you know the yes and yes um, and yes and in fact one of the biggest things that we had to kind of beat out of new people was standing around trying to be funny Oh because yeah. Because that's kind of where you try and go. That's what you think it is when you don't really understand it. But it's actually just an authentic exchange between two people, three people, four people, however many people are in a scene, giving yourself completely over to the moment and making sure everybody in that scene wins.
0: Yeah. And listening. And yes. when you think you haven't listened enough, listen some more.
1: That's right. Because exactly. It,
0: it's all based on listening. And what you said, yes, and it's always about yes. And this episode of the nonfiction brand podcast is brought to you by my new book, nonfiction brand, discover craft and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are now available on amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding, highly recommended, a spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational, a must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search nonfiction brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Have you ever seen the Stephen Colbert's commencement address at Knox College in like 2007? No. Okay, Knox College, small college in Illinois. They invite they gave him an honorary doctorate and Stephen Colbert of the Colbert Report at the time went there and he was very very funny. But then he got very very serious and he talked about improv and its importance and the way he described Yes And was Yes, and means that you take whatever someone's giving you, you say yes, you give it an affirmation, and then you add to it. And he gave the example, I think, of the person saying that we're both doctors. And he said, yes, and we're on an ice floe in Greenland, which then is yes, and. Okay, so put it this way. When I try to explain what negation is, you know, negation is the bad, the the most evil thing you can do in improv is to negate someone's affirmation, you know, and people go, what does that mean? I say, did you ever play Cops and Robbers as kids? And one kid says, bang, bang, you're dead. And the other kid says,
1: no, I'm not. No, I'm not.
0: <laughs> right. No, I'm not. It's negation. Now, a good improv artist would go, bang, bang, you're dead. No, I'm not. I'm coming back as a ghost to uh, uh, haunt you and all the generations of your family for the next 16 generations. Yes. Then you have an interesting scene. Yes. It's no longer negated. It's plus, it's added. And, you know, anyway, I am so in agreement with you because I don't know about you, but improvisational theater burned the fear out of me. I can walk into any room at any time and know if I listen deeply enough, if I keep my mouth shut and listen for something I can add to, even if I was in a room with Nobel laureates in astrophysics, if I wait until there's something I can add to, their heads are going to turn and look at me and go, huh, he's a smart guy. For sure. You know, it's the, what, what is it? It was it, um, Winston Churchill said better to be thought a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you obviously, we obviously read the same stuff because you're practically <laughs> trying to finish everything I say. So maybe it's time for you to talk because I want to listen more deeply to you and your story. So you mentioned the fact that you've overcome things in your life. Was that the impetus for you to create, I woke up awesome?
1: It was. And I'll tell you, improv, it's, I love that you brought it up because that was part of the journey. I mean, I really was a huge, you talk about imposter syndrome. I was a huge imposter. I was a complete fake. I appeared powerful. I could show up in any room and impress the hell out of you. But it was all an act. I had to tear myself down really look at my limiting beliefs and build myself back up in the vision of that I'm already perfect, just as I am. And improv was a huge part of that because you do learn fearlessness and you do learn to listen. And I love that you brought up the listening because I I talk a lot about communication and people think communication is knowing what to say. It's actually being fully present in listening to the other person speak and responding inside of their communication, because oftentimes I'm in a conversation with you, but I'm really in a conversation with myself, right? I'm trying to decide what to say next. If I agree with you, if I think what you said was smart or dumb, we have just this whole like dialogue going on inside ourselves. We're not really listening to the other person. And improv definitely does teach listening. And I am, I would have to say it's one of my superpowers. I am like you, Able to really be present with another person, be with them fully, hear everything they're saying, everything they don't even realize they're saying, and everything they're meaning behind their speaking. But it's been a process, it's a lifelong journey. And, you know, when I was a kid, I had my parents got divorced. And, you know, there was actually this moment right before they split where I would sit, it was a ranch in Louisiana. And I would sit in the living room watching TV and the TV is on the wall facing me and I'm 50. So this is like one of those TVs you had to get up and crank the channel, click, click, click. Oh, yeah. And on the other side of that wall, my parents were arguing and it wasn't a quiet sort. They were, you know, talk about like what people are really into. It's drama. People just want to see the drama. There was plenty of drama. And so that was part of my childhood. And I had to really learn how to be willing to be in relationships where I didn't have to feel like I had to protect myself. And I'm not blaming my parents. I want to be very clear. We all have our own stories from where we came. And that just happens to be part of mine. But I grew up trying to prove myself that I deserved to be in any room. I moved around a lot. That was another key factor for me. I lived in like 24. I used to know the number. And I could tell you in order how, where I'd lived, but it was like 24 places by the time I was 18. No, I was not an, a military brat. That's always the next question that comes. Right, Were you a military right. brat? No. It's just life circumstances. The longest we ever lived somewhere was 18 months. The shortest was two weeks. And that was in my formative years. So I was constantly getting in front of new crowds, having no idea. I didn't fit into the sports crowd. I didn't fit into the, the popular crowd. And I was scared to own that I was a, a band and choir and theater geek because those were the people that got the worst of it in schools. And, but that's really who I was. So i I'm so happy and proud of myself that I've learned to just love who I am. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. I'm hilarious. I love to do improv. I'm a great listener. I'm an amazing coach. I'm a great interviewer. And I show up to help people win whatever winning looks like to them. But that didn't come easily.
0: (laughs) It never does. But, uh, you know, it's that uh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it certainly made you stronger, Trista Polo. And that's who I'm talking to today. I'm so happy to have her on this podcast. But don't worry, she'll be back next week, too, because we're going to get in deeper into some of the the cans of worms we've already opened. We're going to talk about more in next week's episode. But for now, I want to let people know how they can get in touch with you. Trista, is there a social channel that you prefer? And of course, your website is IWokeUpAwesome.com. So you can definitely go there. But if I said, what's your number one social channel? You would say what?
1: I guess I would have to say Instagram. I really curate that feed. There's a lot of great affirmations and very well curated stuff for self-worth and mindset and positivity. So that's where I would send people first, but I'm very googleable. If you google my name, you'll either find a ton of stuff about me, my podcast, etc., or you'll find some stuff from Ralph Lauren. You know, they've done some polos that right. they've named Trista or some shoes, so you might see some stuff there too. But mostly it's me.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Trista Polo Definitely check her out and also check out her Plate Story podcast, which is full of just interesting episodes that you'll find surprisingly interesting. You think you're going in for one thing and all of a sudden it twists up and there's all sorts of really cool stuff happening there. So check it out. That's Plate Story, available wherever you get find podcasts for free. That's it for this week on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I am your host, D.P. Knuton. Please like, subscribe, refer and review this podcast that really helps other people find it. And she is
1: Trista Polo from IWokeUpAwesome.com and Trista's Plate Story Podcast.
0: <laughs> and we'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye.